please be mindful of those who are completing the salah and move forward sit as close as possible and the sisters as well inshallah we can all sit as close as possible be mindful of those who are completing their sunnah and nawafil Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa halul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'na wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amala Allahumma nawur qulubna bi'ilmik wa istamil abdanana li ta'atik wa wafiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda min qawli wal amri wal fi'li wal niyati wal huda innaka ala kulli shin qadir ya fattahu ya fattahu ya fattahu يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار اللهم افتح اقفال قلوبنا بذكرك واتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك امين we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to accept all of our attendance here tonight and the past 12 sessions and being tonight being the 13th session we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to accept all of these past present and future sessions of of, of the tafsir and whatever issues any one of us is going through as we attend and listen we ask Allah Azza wa through the barakah of this beautiful verses of the Qur'an that He allows us to come out of our difficulties, both spiritual and emotional. But, and beyond that, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to find answers to our questions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to find a way out of the most challenging of things that we might be facing in our lives through the dars of the Qur'an. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. We will inshallah continue uh, from Ayah 68. في سورة الفرقان بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يزنون ومن يفعل ذلك يلقى أثاما يضاعف له العذاب يوم القيامة ويخلد فيه مهانا إلا من تاب وآمن وعمل عملا صالحا فأولئك يبدل الله سيئاتهم حسنات وكان الله غفورا رحيما ومن تاب وعمل صالحا فإنه يتوب إلى الله متابا والذين لا يشهدون الزور وإذا مروا باللغو مروا كراما والذين إذا ذكروا بآيات ربهم لم يخروا عليها صما وعميانا والذين يقولون ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما أولئك يجزون الغرفة بما صبروا ويلقون ويلقون فيها تحية وسلاما خالدين فيها حسنت مستقرا ومقاما قل ما يعبأ بكم ربي لولا دعاؤكم فقد كذبتم فسوف يكون لزاما Continuing on from the verses of the attributes of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we move on to the last week we talked about the last one that we spent time speaking about was <clears throat> when it comes to the economic aspects of a believer financial aspects of a believer how he handles those with moderation and how uh, dealing with our finances is part of our faith 
economically being uh, in, uh, uh, you know, prudent and financially being strong and <clears throat> as a government and as an individual both. It is the responsibility of believers to take care of those things. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wealth. Qiwama is made a place, the wealth uh, and business and things of that sort as a means of running this world and a means of also building our akhirah. So it's part and parcel of our faith that we take care of this. And this is in line with the beauty of our deen that is very encompassing and holistic in every sense. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ The believers are those people who do not invoke on any other God besides Allah. Number one. So number two, وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسِ Nor do they take a human life, which Allah has made sacred, إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except with a legal right. وَلَا يَزْنُونَ Nor do they commit fornication. وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَى أَثَامًا And whoever does any of this will face the penalty. So notice one thing here. These three things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not said that these people should not engage in these three things. That's called nahi, prohibition. Allah did not prohibit the believers from indulging in these three things. Rather, He has used nafi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated these three things from a believer. One is you say someone, you tell someone don't do something. And one is you say he, do, he would doesn't do those things. Um, and that's a stronger way of actually stopping someone. When speaking to our children or youth or whoever it may be, when we are trying to, even little kids, trying to teach them that these are certain things that you, we shouldn't engage in. One way is to say, don't do this. And one way is to say, obviously, mashallah, you are an intelligent young person. You, would, you know better. You, of course, you would never engage. You would never, you would never even cross your mind to do something like that. This is the way, it's actually a more effective way of dealing with things. One person, he shared a story how he was a, about a friend of his who was a very young, handsome person, a young man, very uh, athletic too, and the football team of the school, etc. So one day he said, he asked his friend, you know, what protects you from falling into sin? When you have the looks, when you have the charisma, when you've got the grades, when you've got all this stuff, what protects you from falling into sin? SubhanAllah, what a powerful state response he gave. He said, you know, this is a very good question. And the answer to that is, every single time a temptation comes to me, I always think about how disappointing it will be for my father, who raised me with such love and such care and such attention, that if he were to find out, how it would break his heart. And that is what keeps me away. SubhanAllah, imagine honestly how beautiful a tarbiyah that must have been. Which is not a tarbiyah based on fear. But it's tarbiyah based on love. It's a tarbiyah that's based on uh, the true prophetic uh, teachings. So, you can imagine that father would say, of course you don't do things of this sort. Not to say, oh, you don't do this. But it's absolutely not befitting that you would be doing something like that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates these three things from the believers. Now, the question is, why are we speaking about not committing shirk after like halfway through the attributes? Right? We've done about what, six or seven? And now, why are we speaking about not committing shirk? Shouldn't this be the number one? Number one thing? So the ulama have explained what is intended here is a shirk al-khafi. Right? Shirk al-khafi, the hidden shirk. Shirk al-jali, the obvious open shirk is, well, you know what? They would never be into the category of Ibadur Rahman in the first place. Why would we be speaking about that if we're speaking about the servants of Rahman? Correct? We're not talking about the normal shirk here. We're talking about the more hidden shirk. And that hidden shirk 
is something we need to all ask ourselves right now. Are we involved in this? It's when a person says that, um, for example, um, uh, you know, I have, I have, I, I have one person, you say? <laughs> Honestly, just this past week, someone said, I have just trust on you. If as long as you're with me, it's sufficient. I said, what are you talking about? This is not words of praise, Yehwan. This is, you know, what are you trying to say? This is wrong. This is unacceptable that you say something like that. You have to say, Allah is sufficient. Oh yeah, Allah is sufficient, but you know, but you know. you No, not, but you know. You're not supposed to even say, I trust upon you, or, and then I, I, I trust upon Allah and, then, and you. I trust upon Allah and you. Tawakkaltu ala Allahi wa alayk. No, we don't say that. That I trust upon Allah and you. And rather instead, we're supposed to say, Tawakkaltu ala Allahi thumma alayk. I trust in Allah, then I put my trust in you. You cannot use wow harf al You have to use thumma, tarakhi, lit tarakhi. You cannot say wow, I, wow means and. That I trust Allah and you. No. This is, you cannot put you or I in the same sentence with Allah. It has to be I trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then in the realm of means I trust you. So this is, uh, you know, uh, the, where we're talking about the shirk al-khafi that comes in. Sometimes people say, that this is for me and the rest is for the sake of Allah. Although I understand the intention that you're saying that when it comes to the matter of means, I'm going to do this and the rest, and the, whether this means will work or not, I leave it up to Allah. But also this is, ulama have preferred that we don't use words like this. Instead they say from the beginning and the end, every single thing is yours. There's one dua, هَذَا الْجُهْدُ وَعَلَيْكَ التُّكْلَانِ Ya Allah, هَذَا الْجُهْدُ وَعَلَيْكَ التُّكْلَانِ here I have done the work, I've done the effort, and only upon you do I rely. My job is simply to do what you've asked me to do. And guess what? I wouldn't even do that if you hadn't asked me to do that. The only reason I even use the means in this world is because you asked me to do so. But if, if it was, if it was, if it was uh, not your, if it was not your command, and if it was not the sunnah of your Prophet wasallam, then I would not have even Use the means. Because what's the point? The only one who does it. So what does the Quran say about Rasulullah? You did not throw the dust into the eyes of the disbelievers when you threw it. But it was Allah who threw it. What an amazing ayah. You, you did not throw it when you threw it. What is going on over here? It, what, the, the, the second portion of the verse is negating the first portion. You did not throw when you threw. Meaning your throwing is useless. It's if the Rasulullah's throwing is useless, then who, where do you and I belong? Useless meaning it won't blind anyone. Because usually when you throw dust like this, a thousand people don't get blinded, or 500 people, or 100 people, or 50 people don't get blinded. How is it that Rasulullah, when he threw that dust, that it got into everyone's eyes and it became like a smoke screen? This powerful effect of a very simple action is because Allah brought the power into that action. And so that is why we are being taught to heed that get shirk al-khafi out completely. Shirk al-khafi, hidden shirk has got to come out. That whatever you do, you're telling me one little tablet, 
can give you health. One little uh, uh, you know, drop can, can give you health. And nothing, nothing in this world can give you and I health, can give you and I extend our life so-called, can protect us from anything. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who chooses to put shifa in some medications and chooses to take shifa out from that same medication for someone else. We've been told that when a person eats a morsel, that food which you and I must have to be able to survive and live, that the morsel is, is an angel asking Allah permission. Ya Allah, this morsel, would you like it to be a means of this person nourish, getting nourishment or would you like it to become a means of this person either choking on it and dying or going into his stomach and actually causing pain and harm. All of you who have suffered a stomach flu, stomach infection, upset stomach, etc., etc. Such painful things. Where, where does, what happens? That same food. You have eaten a three times a burger from a certain place that one time, but it, it happens too. Cause pain. Cause a lot of pain actually. So what is that? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who makes food beneficial as well as harmful. Shirkul khafi is when a person begins to attribute benefit and harm towards things of this world. And who from amongst us honestly is not involved in this to a certain degree? The tongue speaks. If it's on your tongue, it's a reflection of what's in the heart. If a person just comes out of a court case, it's successful. Man, he says, I want to give a huge thanks, round of applause, a big gift to my lawyer. If it wasn't for him, I'd be dead. I'd be caught. I'd be in trouble. Fulan, fulan, fulan. I just got out of the hospital. I want to make sure I thank the doctors. If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't see me stand in front of you. This is normal sentences we say. These are normal sentiments, sentiments we have. No one is saying you should not appreciate the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers and everyone else in between. Whoever doesn't thank the people can never truly thank Allah. That's there. But my dear brother and my dear sister, as you walk out safely from the hospital or from the courthouse, first and foremost, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This reminds me of waqiatul ifk. This reminds me of the story of the false accusation against Aisha radiallahu anha. Long story, we don't have time to get into that. Inshallah, one day in Surah Al-Nur, we'll cover it. However, when that powerful story in which Rasulullah doesn't know what's going on with his wife Aisha and he separated himself from her, and it's been a long many days since they are not necessarily in their normal husband and wife terms. And the, hus- the mom and dad, Abu Bakr anhu, is also, and Aisha anha's mother, is also just kind of like, sort of cold. Like we don't know what to say. We're waiting. And after when she sees that her own parents, along with her husband, are giving her, uh, you know, just kind of are taking, a, they're, they're just showing that they're not sure what to do. Because it's a very tricky issue about someone's, um, you know, honesty and someone's honor here. And subhanAllah, at that time, when it just burst, she burst at the seams and it was just too much for her. She bro- broke down crying and she was just, couldn't believe this is happening. All of a sudden, the Prophet ﷺ, you could see the effects of revelation on his face. That he's about to now receive revelation. And a whole ruku' of Surah An-Nur was revealed. The second ruku' of Surah An-Nur was revealed. A little bit more than that as well. I think about 13 verses or so. In which the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha was cemented. No questions asked. We're not going to wait for a court of this world to decide. Allah, Ahkamul Hakimin, Asdaqul Qailin, 
the most truthful of those who speak, the most powerful of those who pass the judgment. He passed the judgment, that Aisha radiallahu anha is innocent. And all of those people who decided to dishonor her or speak about her, they're the ones who are going to face the punishment. As soon as he recited those verses, of course he was so happy that now alhamdulillah his wife has been exonerated. The parents tell Aisha Allah, go, 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 go back to your husband right there. He was there. Go thank him. And you know the response she gave. She, after all, she's not just any lady. She is the wife of the Rasulullah wasallam. On top of being an ummati, she says, no, absolutely not. I am only going to thank Allah. I'm only going to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he's the one who came for my rescue. Right? SubhanAllah, the emotions of a wife. Uh, so this is the, uh, I, uh, you know, the idea is just the fact that a, a believer, he, he has this level of, of true faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that no one else can help me in any form besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that level of tawakkul comes in, I was just reading a statement of Imam Ghazali, someone shared, powerful statement. He says, when haq and batil come together, when falsehood and truth, they have a battle. And when it becomes so bad that falsehood is on the verge of almost winning. And it seems like truth is falling and faltering and failing. And then the people on the, of the truth, they now really literally say, Ya Allah, we give up on our means. We literally give up on ourselves. We have no one besides you who can help us. That's it. We tried. We, f- we did whatever we need to do. We fought in one month, two months, one year, two years, whatever the case may be. We're done. We're going to continue, but we have conviction that our efforts are no good. It's only you. When the level of conviction reaches at this boiling point, that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes and He tips the scale. That's when He tips the scale. Other ulama have explained it to be like a, a thermostat. You can have temperature set at 72. No matter how, how, how um, uh, cold it may be, for example, or how, I mean, you can, whatever heat or AC, whatever you're speaking about, say you're speaking about the heat here, and you set it at 72, you might feel very, very cold, but it's still at 73 by the thermostat. You might be feeling a draft. The window might be open. You're sitting right there. It's cold. But until the thermostat doesn't see 72, the heat is not going to kick in. No matter what happens on this side of the building. No matter what happens this side of the prayer hall. As soon as that hits 72, you'll all of a sudden hear the rumbling sound of the furnaces kicking in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a set thermostat or set meter upon which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help will come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help will come. If, and no matter what happens, if you do not reach that status, or if, you are, if the sacrifice of the ummah does not reach that temperature or that number, Allah's help doesn't descend. You might be almost there, but it has to be exact. If it's not exact, it doesn't work. So sometimes you think, I'm almost there. But maybe you are 0.001% away from 72, for example. So you might, you might have so much loss of life, so much loss of wealth, so much loss of property, but does it make a difference until it hasn't hit a certain amount of sacrifice, not just loss, sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then and only then will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help comes. This is very important. And in this current era that we're in, to think about what I just said. If we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, 
we all have to collectively start making sacrifice. We have to start filling up the masjids. We have to start fasting. We have to start reading excessive dua, dhikr. And along with that, continue to use the means available. We cannot just bank on this. We must use the means. But as we, as we call the congressmen, as we call the senators, as we call our uh, government offices and try to ask them and demand from them that they listen to the other side and demand a ceasefire, etc., etc. While you're making that phone call, in between the phone call, you need to be doing dhikr. And you gotta tell yourself, my phone call is gonna do no good. My marching is gonna be no good. My chanting of different things is gonna do no good without the help of Allah. I am doing what I'm doing simply to show Allah, at least I tried. But my doing is of no use. The goal is to get Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help. You know sometimes, what happens? Allahu Akbar, when a person wants to get help, you need to move something. Let's say your mom wants to get you to do something home at home, but she's told you, it's not listening. Youngsters, not listening. It's a huge piece of furniture. What is, what is our uh, you know, mother might do? You're not listening, she's gonna sit there and say, let me just start picking this up myself. Now you're sitting there on the sofa doing something else. You see your mom picking up the dinner, dining table. How are you going to say? What are you, you going to do? You sit there? Of course not. You say, oh, I guess you really wanted this to be moved. Then you're going to call your sibling and together you guys move it. What is it? What did she do? She knows she can't move it. She knows she can't do it. You take an example of a child who wants something. And he told you a million times, Baba, mom, Mama, get me this. And you're busy doing your work. And now that little child will start actually picking up that huge bike. Or picking up that huge, uh, you know, uh, toy or whatever the game is maybe, and you know he can't pick it up, he can't drag it. Then you dump your whatever you're doing and you go help him. We are similarly in the court of Allah. You say, Ya Allah, I tried. I know this this protest, this calls, all of these things, and not just protests and calls. No, me even going to work at 8 a.m. Me even trying to, you know, study in college for a job. None of this is gonna do me any good without your help. If you, the, I could get a PhD and be, and be suffering jobless. And I could be a high school dropout and could have a very successful business. Isn't that the case? It can happen. Why not? So this is where we speak about staying away from shirk al-khafi. Talking about protest. Mawlana Yusuf rahmatullahi Mawlana Yusuf Mutala rahmatullahi The rector and the senior of, of, of Darlum Buri who passed away rahmatullahi rahmatullahi wasiyah. It was, it, was, uh, it was mentioned I heard uh, in a talk of Amman Abdurrahim Limbada saying that Mawlana Yusuf once he, you know, he sent some, yeah, some of the students out to a protest in England long ago for many years I'm not sure what, what uh, occasion it was but one of the things he said if you're going in the protest go together he was sending I think students of the seminary the madrasa go together don't just you know, keep your identity as Muslim young men right because if you mingle in, then you end up doing things that you might not be doing, you shouldn't be doing. And you end up being with maybe, you know, people of the opposite gender, shoulder to shoulder. You don't want to be doing that. Stay amongst yourselves. And then instead of just, um, you know, uh, be punctual about your salah. Make sure you don't miss your salah. Number three is that make sure you remain busy in the dhikr of Allah. That is where it's going to be effective. Do you know those of us who went for hajj? How is that talbiyah, man? When you're reading that talbiyah and you're walking... Boy, it's powerful, isn't it? It's so powerful. When you're doing tawaf and you're doing your dhikr, it's powerful. When you're doing sa'i and you're doing a dhikr, it's powerful. This is what people need to hear. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. La ilaha illa an subhanak inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. Rabbi inni maghlubun fantasir. Right? And the verses of, 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 of the Qur'an, as well as um, the other du'a that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would, would recite, 
in the times of difficulty. Imagine you have a thousand, five thousand strong engaged in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the protest may not be what is actually simply by itself hollow, hollow protest bringing the mercy of Allah. It is the tawajjuh and the attention of the protesters towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That rahmah of Allah coupled with your humble effort is what brings results. And so this is where the deen needs to be brought in every aspect of our life, including something like that. People run for campaigns, Muslim brothers. They say, Shaykh make dua. He said, listen, you're part of your campaign, you need to have a dhikr jama'ah. You have to have dedicated every single foot soldier of yours going hand, handing out flyers. He needs to be doing dhikr. Because you, otherwise, you're like the rest. Why, would, why should you expect any help from Allah? You will, you will not get any help from Allah. You're like the rest mojo. If you want to be treated differently, you have to act differently. If you want to be treated differently by Allah, then you must act differently. Whether it is a campaign for anything, whether it's running for office, whether it's protesting, or whether it's trying to get a job, whatever it is, we are not like others. We have something called faith. And our faith must be not restricted to the house of Allah. Our faith must be found wherever we go. And people should look at us and say, wow, these are men and women of faith. We do not dictate results, nor do we, expect, nor do we demand anything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We say, Ya Allah, go back to the dua I said, al juhd. I did the effort. tuklan, And I leave the rest up to you. That's what we have to do. And when, this is, when a person is free from this type of shirk al-khafi, then my beloved brothers, your business endeavor, your family issue, your health issue, whatever it is, you will start seeing the results that you had never seen before. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create within all of us this amazing level of tawheed that the sahaba radiallahu anhum arda had. Ameen rabbil alameen. So this is now the reason why Allah mentions this, right? Set in the middle of all the attributes. Tawheed, tawheed is the middle attribute and there's about five or six before it and five or six after that from all the attributes that are mentioned of the Ibadur Rahman. If you have this, alhamdulillah, then you can start working right and left. But if you don't have the middle one, you're missing out the most central part. And the way to do this is constantly be doing dhikr of la ilaha illallah with your tongue. Number two is don't just do dhikr with the tongue, do dhikr with the heart. Think about what you're saying. When someone says, but I'm dead, this can't happen. You know, this, this issue, I, I, it, there's no hope for me. You say, well, well, relax. Who said so? I said so. No, but you are not in control of your life. That guy is not in control of your life. No one in control of your life. Allah is in control of your life. Why are you giving up? Despondency is a horrible, horrible sin. Never give up. You cannot give up. You have to have the reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is where we constantly need to correct our speech. Your speech is a reflection of what's in your heart. If you find yourself or your spouse or your children saying something which does not go in line with Tawheed, then correct them. Correct them right then and there and say, no, Allah can do anything. Oh, it's, it's, it's hopeless. This marriage is never going to be saved. I remember about two and a half, three years ago, I one day came, or maybe two years ago, I came to Tafsir one day and, I, and like many other times, so a lot of stuff that I, know, I see in the community, it, it affects me naturally. I'm a human being after all. And I share it with you, or portions of it at least. And one of the things I had mentioned and made lots of dua and, and, and of, of an incident where, subhanAllah, someone is going through a very bitter divorce. And there are many people sitting like this right now here today or listening to me online from across the country who are going through that same type of predicament. And the sad part is it makes no sense why the divorce is happening. 
It just make, doesn't make sense. Especially when the guy is begging to be back with his wife. It never intentionally caused any problem. But the wife decides to file for divorce and, you know, and, and go to court and you know, try to do everything else you can imagine. There's the cases, many cases that I deal with. And I'm going to, you know, subhanAllah. So I had mentioned uh, that because it was really weighing heavy on me. And subhanAllah, anyone who had dealt with that case would, tell you, would, would say, many actually who dealt with the case would say, this is it. Gone. This will never, ever, there's no way this can ever turn around. And my advice to them and to every single couple who's going through anything, and your children or yourself or your siblings, etc., is that don't ever say never. Never say never. Never say never. Have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Turn to Allah. Use all the means available, including, uh, of course, arbitration, uh, getting the shaykh involved, getting your elders involved, and along with that, using ruqya for your marriage. Using ruqya for your marriage. So, but everyone's, ah, forget it. What's that going to help, brother? She's, you know, they say, brother, ruqya is helpful. No, there's no ruqya. This is the biggest shaitan. This shaitan here, subhanAllah, no ruqya is help. You say, a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim is for who? Tell me, against who? Tell me. Against which shaitan? The little ones? Who? Iblis? Iblis? This shaitan is referring to not some small little one on the street here. Is Al-Iblis. The cursed shaitan. There's only one cursed shaitan. That's Iblis. If A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim is good enough for, to protect you from Iblis. What about your husband or your wife? Whatever issues they've got. They can, inshallah, these ayats of the Quran can definitely get you out of that mess. But we just give up. We say, ah, no, nah, never, never. So I'm here, alhamdulillah, two years later to share this beautiful news of something which, which all the parties involved pretty much gave up. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought that day that they came back together. Which is something which is, yani, honestly is a miracle. But it is truly a, a, a manifestation of, after, you know, of the qudra and the power of Allah. When you have faith in Allah and you use the means, you'll see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of things. And since this is our open area where you discuss issues that people don't want to talk about. So I'll also mention one thing here. What we see in the case of, of the current zulm and genocide taking place, and I'm not the one who's saying it, historians and big, big experts have said, this is the first time that an occupier, an oppressor, an aggressor can come in and do, commit the worst types of war crimes and beyond that, and then, and then, and then try to make you con be convinced that they are the ones who are oppressed. And I, I recently I heard a clip of one of the previous prime ministers of, of Israel mentioning that we will never forgive the Palestinians for forcing us to kill their children. Yeah, you heard that right. We will never for forgive the Palestinians to what? Yeah, yeah we'll, never, we'll never forget the ch children to be able to... We'll never forget, we will never forget, forgive the Palestinians for um, forcing us to kill their children. You can check up that, um, the, uh, the, the, what you call, that quote. But subhanAllah, that's what it is. Never in the history has this happened that you kill someone and you're saying, sorry, 
Today, today there's a protest, right? Was it for today what took place? Huh? No, for today. And just see, so the, the sound, sound bites coming out of there. La ilaha illallah. So what we see very unique here is the person is doing dhulm, and then on top of that is claiming to be mazloom. So as horrific this is, don't, I'm not taking anything away from that conflict, but I want to take one simple point and apply it to our marriages today. And I know I'm upsetting certain people. Allah is my witness. I'm not trying to upset anyone. I'm speaking the truth. Because I have experience of not one or not two, not ten, way beyond that. Alhamdulillah or inna lillah, whatever you want to call it. In the marriages, there was a time when you would have aggressive men. And even now, oppressive men. They might have been physically abusive towards their spouse. It happens. It may be definitely happening today as well. When that case comes to the arbitrator, to me, to you, or to the public, no one would side with the abusive, physically abusive husband. Correct? Who would say? We may say, we may say, brother, let's try to save the marriage. But no sensible man or woman in the community and beyond would say, you should continue beating your wife. Never. No one would say, you have a right to beat her up like this, physically abuse her. No one would say that. We may figure out what caused it, but we say, you're wrong, you can't do this. But this is now the first case where we see women abusing their husbands, left and right. And then, the whole community, the in-laws, parents, and as well as, of course, of course, law enforcement and the courts continuously siding with the oppressor. Continuously. Not one case I've dealt with, not two, not three. Many, many in the tens. It's the same crazy scenario where the man is begging to remain married. The man is begging to stay in the marriage. The worlds have reversed. The wife is physically abusing the man, throwing pots and pans, pushing him down the stairs, pushing a table towards him, screaming at him, attacking him, you name it. But who is the one who gets handcuffed? It's the guy. Alright? Again and again we see this playing. Not, not, like arbitrary, not uh, you know, genuine, real handcuffs. Throw in the jail. So no, you have no right. So these type of things is very similar. That oppression is happening from one side, but you're caught. Your credit card is being maxed out. Your, what you call bills, uh, your, your house, someone else is staying there. You're kicked out of your own home. You're kicked out of your own car. You're living in a hotel. Or you're staying in the night in prison or, or in, in jail. And you're just seeing how your cards are being used. Your accounts are being emptied out. And what has happened? You said, no, you're the oppressor. Allahu Akbar. Those of you who've seen this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide both our men and our women. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove this evil influence of I don't know what, nafs, shaitan, feminism, and every dajjali fitna that has taken over our homes. But I know I'm speaking on behalf of thousands of men who don't have a voice. Because if they do, no one will believe them. This is the reality. And I know they'll be pushed back. People will say this, but you come and sit with me and I'll show you. I will show you those messages. Now you don't have to, you talk to the men. And you see, why would a man sit there and say, I'll do anything to get back? Why would he be on his feet begging? But no, we're going to take you out. We're going to knock, we're going to get you $100,000 in lawyer bills. And after that, we're going to get, you know, make you pay 10, 10K a month and make you lose millions or hundreds of thousands. And then not allow you to see your, even your children. Pay for your children, but you can't see them. You can't spend time with them, but you must pay for their, for their education, pay for everything else. 
Subhanallah, we live in that type of society. That all the zulm in the world happening today, yet no one in the government is understanding that Subhanallah, maybe, just maybe, the 15,000 innocent killed are mavloom. Just maybe those entire Shifa hospital that is completely offline now. Everyone in the ICU is dead. All the children in the uh, uh, you know, natal care section are dead. Maybe they're mazloom. Maybe they're oppressed. No. Completely blindfolded by all of that. That's exactly what shaitan has done to our marriages. And so I implore those people who, have a, who, who can save marriages, please knock some sense into people. And one of the things, like I repeat what I said, arbitration, honestly, it's like, you know, you're speaking to a wall in these cases. You need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Pray every single day, two rakat salat al-hajjah. One of the, one of the uh, uh, from the many thousands of adhkar and du'as out there, I'll tell you one something that I've experienced that has been very beneficial. This is not a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. I tell you clearly what I'm telling you. Salat al-hajjah is sunnah. But one of the things that was shared to me by my teacher, that a student of his who was from the family of the Prophet ﷺ was going through a lot of problems. And his problems were not being solved. Eventually after excessive crying and dua every night, one day he was visited by the Prophet ﷺ in his dream. And the Prophet ﷺ said, and this is something, then again I tell you, it's not from Bukhari and Muslim. So you don't have to follow it. You don't have to practice on it. But those who want to, I'm sharing with you. He said that, he, go, he, says, yeah, he told him, they pray two rakat salah after salatul isha before your witr. And in the first rakat, Recite inna abtar 41 times. And the second rakah, read inna again 40 times. 41 and 40. And then after that, make dua for your needs. Now obviously you all know Surah Al-Kawthar is about who? The Prophet It's about Allah's gifts to the Prophet So this is a huge isalu thawab for the Prophet It's a huge dua. Right? It's a 82 times you're making dua for Rasulullah. And that's one of the greatest ways to attract the mercy of Allah is through salawat. Is through making dua for Allah's beloved. All billions of people put together and one Nabi. We can't equal that. If you want to attract Allah's mercy, show love to His Prophet. Because His Prophet is most beloved. That's why you want to dua get accepted, you do salawat. You do salawat before and after your dua gets accepted. So similarly, he said, this is something. And he told him in the dream, go tell your shaykh. Go tell your teacher so he can share it with his students. So he shared it with me. And I'm sharing it with you. And alhamdulillah, in the marriage I was speaking about, this was one of the things that they used. Right? The party that had some brains, wasn't completely overcome with shaitan. Alhamdulillah, used this on a daily basis. It took time. But alhamdulillah, they say in Urdu, Allah ke deer hai andher nahi hai. There is sometimes delay in the court of Allah, but there's never darkness. There and there. There means delay, and there means darkness. There's no darkness. You will always, there's always the silver lining. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. But you have to have patience. So whether it's this or something else, I encourage those brothers and sisters who know people who are going through these nasty, unnecessarily useless divorces, where there's no serious issue. When you sit down and say, what's the problem? They're looking at each other and say, I don't know. We were, we were just been fighting for six months. We forgot actually what the actual problem is. So these type of things are the signs of shaitan playing his tricks. Yakthuru talaq. Since I'm on this topic, I'll also say, Imam Bukhari has mentioned in Kitab Adab al-Mufrad that every single day, Iblis puts his uh, arsh on the oceans. And on the ocean, arsh, what happens? 
He asks all his little cronies and the little small shaitans to come and tell me what you did. Tell me what you did. So all the shayateen come and they say, we did this, we did this. Says, okay, go, 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 go. Next, next, next. Imam Bukhari mentioned this hadith in Kitab Adab al-Mufrad. Until a, man, a shaitan comes and he says, Oh my master, I saw a married husband and wife and I attacked them. And I continue to create animosity and hatred and misunderstandings between them. And I did not leave the man until he ended up divorcing her. Then I left them. And when this person shares this with Iblis, he, he, Iblis says, come forward, come forward. And he makes him sit up front and he says, this is the man of the hour. This is the one who's done the real work. These are, this is the gist of, of a hadith of, mentioned by Imam Bukhari in Kitab Adab al-Mufrad. Think about how that applies today. That as soon as the divorce papers are sent to the lawyers, done. Then he said, like, oh khalas. Okay, I need to get out now. Let me go out, work on to the next one. Let me work on to the next one. So you're seeing that from the signs of the hour, the Prophet said, Yakthru talaq. Talaq will become rampant. But today, in many cases, in this part of the world, it doesn't seem that the, the husbands are the ones who are under attack the most when it comes to going towards divorce. There are some cases, yes. But I'm talking about my practice, if I can call it that, is where I'm seeing the women are the ones who are under attack. And so, we need to look out for each other. Our husbands and our wives, our mothers and our daughters. And if we see anyone going through this trouble, exhort them towards Allah, towards the remembrance of Allah. Bring Surah Al-Baqarah in the house. Bring dhikr in the heart. Bring dhikr in the home. Bring tilaw of the Qur'an in the home. And this is the only thing that's going to kick the shayateen out from our houses. Sunnah, sunnah, sunnah. The more sunnah we have in our houses, the more shaitan is going to run away. So this is a, a, a dilemma that we're all faced with. But subhanAllah, what a, a, a long tangent I went on, on on this issue. But it went on to the aspect of tawheed. If you have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will see Allah will take care of your affairs. May Allah grant us true trust in Him. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. The second thing that you will not see the, disbeliever, the believers involved in, they will not commit murder. Okay. Number three, right after that, they won't commit zina. Wow. Shirk, murder, and zina. Right? Look at how it's come right back to back. Because this is, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the third gravest sin. The biggest sin, shirk. Second gravest sin, murder. Third gravest sin, zina. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this in Surah Isra as well. Over there, where does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring it? He brings it before murder. Yes, He brings it before murder. They say that zina is actually a form of of murder. Why is that? Because when a person falls into the sin and wants to ensure that a, a lineage is not created from this, then he will indulge in that which will not allow a soul to come into this world. So there's two types of murder. One is a murder of someone who is the soul is in this world and you take their life. And one is a murder in one sense of a soul that was meant to come or was never officially never meant to come, but could have come based on the means. But you are creating obstacles for that soul to come into this world because the means and the reason behind that was 
not proper nikah. Are you all getting what I'm trying to say? Right? So this is also a form of qatal. Allahu Akbar. What a grave sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought that. And this has become the most common thing in our society. Between all, all aspects, all, all sectors of our community. When deen will not be followed, this will be happened. And the biggest uh, source of this sin becoming common in our communities, of course, is the mobile phone. And not following the deen, becoming free with one another. Crossing the border and not worrying about hijab. Becoming khalwa, spending time in seclusion with, with those who are we, are we are not supposed to be spending time in seclusion with. Getting too close to people at the office. Getting too close to people at school. Getting too close to non-mahram relatives. All of this, my beloved brothers and sisters, ends up becoming a means of all of this mess. Right? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala close the doors of zina upon our community and open up the doors of, of nikah. Amin rabbil alameen. Okay? So, what does bilhaq mean? Uh, legal right? Of course, that means something which uh, through an Islamic court, a, uh, uh, you know, uh, something through an Islamic court has been decided, like someone who has been caught committing a murder and it's proven beyond doubt that he's committed murder. Well, then of course, in that case, his life will be taken if the heirs have not forgiven him and have not, not wanting to take blood money. Whoever does any of these things, he will face the penalty. Athaman means punishment. Or, what does it mean you'll face the punishment? I'm sorry, atham actually means sin. You will come face to face with sin. You know, when you, when you say, when someone catches you, say, hey, I, I, I see you doing something. You can lie. Say, no, I didn't do it. You're falsely accusing me. Where's the proof? But imagine if the sin were to be given a shape and a form, and right here in front of your eyes, you're coming face to face with the mujassama, with the, uh, you know, you know, uh, with the sin being personified. If you get what I'm saying, right? How can you say he's right here? The sin right in front of you. What do you? How can you deny that? Allah Azza says people will come face to face with their sin, where it will become something you cannot deny. The, the punishment will be increased, multiplied on the day of judgment. muhana, And they will remain in it forever. Muhanan in disgrace. They will remain in it in disgrace. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says punishment will be multiplied. But I thought you only get punishment for as much as you have done. What does that mean getting multiplied? Man sanna sunnatan sayyi'ah Whoever starts a bad trend, He'll get the sin of his own sin, he'll get the punishment of his own sin, but he'll get the sin of everyone who was inspired by his sin. Like Qabil committing a murder, now he'll get the sin of every murder that happened after that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah al They will definitely carry their burden and along with that, the burden of others. Meaning, the burden of others who they inspired with their action. That's why before we commit any sin, openly, remember, if you start a bad trend, then no matter how many millions of people follow that bad trend, you will, unfortunately, or I will, unfortunately, Allah forbid, get the sin of that. Sometimes, look, we don't realize how much action, when action happens. If, 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 we, if we create a habit in our masjid here, that after salah, everyone sits and no one stands up. Everyone sits and does a dhikr. You create a culture of dhikr after those salahs in which there is no sunnah, like fajr and asr. Then you'll see, people will benefit. 
But if you, if you have a culture where after every sunnah and salah finishes, it's like someone pulled a fire alarm. Jum'ah or every other salah. No dua, everyone running. Then that's what will happen. So we, we need to... Uh, 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 and, and, and the other salahs, like for example, even the little khatira that we have after salah. Many people cannot sit for an hour and a half on Tuesdays or an hour and 15 minutes. And we respect that. We understand that. But for the rest of the community, at least sitting five to seven minutes after a daily salat al-isha is something that should be part and parcel of our daily schedule. At least you get something every single day that most of us do not have an opportunity throughout the days to get. But what happens, we have to create a culture of that day. We sit down and others will follow suit. But if a person creates a culture against that, I'm not saying they're going to get sin for it, but I do say that they may not get as much as reward as they could have. Because what we're doing is we're creating intishar. We're creating a movement. This is just one example that came to mind. But there's obviously much larger things that are actual sinful. That when a person starts a bid'ah, innovation, anyone who follows that innovation, he'll be getting that sin for it as well. And so, this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, yudaf, punishment will be increased. And then the word muhana has been used. Muhana has been disgrace. You know, punishment has been mentioned with alim. Adabun alim. Adabun alim. Alim and alim. Painful punishment, torm, uh, pain, painful torment, etc., etc. This one over here has been mentioned, disgrace. This is not physical punishment. This is what? Psychological punishment. So understand that Jahannam has got both. This disgrace is also a part of the... Towards some people, you hit them. You hit, it, you hit them. Yani a child I'm talking about. If you hit him, it won't hurt. He's like, yeah, you can hit me more all you want. But if that same person, you, you get mad at him in front of the people, oh, that is much, much more painful. So everyone has got a different pain tolerance. So here the Quran is speaking about that some people will get physically tortured or punished. And then along with that, some people, along with that, they will be, be receiving this psychological punishment as well. May Allah protect us from any and all forms of punishment. Except for those who repent. And then believe. And does do righteous deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will substitute their misdeeds with good deeds. And ever is their God all forgiving, mercy giving. What's going on over here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that if you repent and then you believe, what do you mean? I thought we're believers. Wow. I thought we're speaking about Ibadur Rahman. Why are we hearing about Amana? So some have said, that this, this next ayah, let's, let's, let's do this with the next ayah. For whoever repents after sinning, and works righteousness, then indeed such a person has repented to Allah with a worthy repentance. What's going on over here? Do, you, do anyone know the difference? It seems like the same thing. What's the difference between this ayah and the previous ayah? Who wants to tell me? Okay, that's there. Yeah, but something beyond that? You can look at the translation too. One or two. Uh? Yeah, that's the reward. But let's talk about the first part. Just except for the one till here. Yes, you're right. What did happen? The first one says, Amana, believes. The second one does not say, Amana, believe. It's just repent. Got it? So this is the difference. So some have said these two verses are speaking about different type of sins. The first verse is of people who actually committed such a sin that they left Islam. Non-Muslim, 
or a Muslim who ended up doing something and left Islam. That he has to now repent and then become a Muslim again. Or a non-Muslim needs to repent and become a Muslim. And the second verse is speaking about a Muslim sinner who committed a sin and he's repenting. Okay, that's one explanation. Second explanation is that this is, the first ayah is referring to believers, not non-Muslims. Believers when they sin. But subhanAllah, such a sin that which will actually take away iman, the, 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 the crux of iman from his heart. I mean, actually this tafsir I could say is similar to the first one. Let me just take this as one tafsir. First one is speaking about those people who either are non-Muslims who accepted Islam or Muslims who've done such a sin that will almost take them out of the fold of Islam. And what is that? The Prophet ﷺ said, لا That a fornicator does not fornicate in the state that he is a believer. And he doesn't drink uh, liquor or wine and intoxicants while he's a believer. Meaning, the sin, of, the sin of drinking and the sin of fornication is so horrible that when a person is indulged in those sins, it's the nur of iman has been lifted away. Just imagine if someone dies in that state, what's going to happen? Because beloved friends, it's not possible for one who truly believes in Allah and believes in Jahannam and believes in punishment that he can fall for this. What happens? Why do men and women commit these type of sins? It's because their strength, strength in their conviction in Allah as well as in his punishment becomes weak. Then they end up having the so-called audacity and guts to do such sins. This is what we call the extreme weakness of iman. So such people, they actually have to come fully, full, you know, they have full swing, have to come back, repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and also renew their kalima. We won't say they're kuffar. We won't say if a person drank, he'll become a kafir. A person did zina, he'll become a kafir. No. We're trying to say like the, like the strength of iman, the nur of iman is gone. And for Allah Azza wa is saying, it's as though that they need to now renew their iman. Beloved friends, when a person is, 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 is sinning, or in the world is has committed mistakes. And at home, a son or a daughter of yours, a sibling, a spouse, has really crossed the lines. And now if you, if you and I simply judge them by that and continuously only treat them with anger and frustration, what happens? These people will say, okay, I've already done so many wrong things. You know what? I don't care. So then they become even more baqi. They become even more disobedient. They say, if there's really no chance of me ever being forgiven, O oh mom, O oh dad, and forever being, gaining my respect, you know, my, our children, honestly, they want respect. They want love. So if they feel like they've burnt their bridges with their parents, then they may end up just saying, forget it. Whatever I do, you're never going to be happy anyway, so I might as well just do the craziest things. It's ajib how shaitan works, man. It's ajib. It's ajib. Just today someone mentioned to me of things he thought he would never do in his life, he's done. And then he said, the reason I did it is because I'm angry at my parents. Because they didn't give me something that I wanted. So now out of anger, he's committed the most hideous of sins that he has ever done. Who does that? That's shaitan. That he says that it's, he's digging his own grave. Your mom and dad are not going to go in your own grave. You got your own grave, they got their own grave. Why would you do something so foolish like this? That you say, I'm going to commit sin because I'm angry at my parents. But that's how shaitan actually works. 
He creates frustration within the children to say, my parents, whatever I do, they're not giving me or they're never happy with me. So guess what? I'm just going to do the worst, stupidest things. Understand, my beloved brothers and sisters, your enemy is not your mom. Your enemy is not your dad. Your enemy is not your son. Your enemy is not your daughter. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. Your enemy, my enemy, is our nafs and shaitan. For Allah's sake, stop fighting with one another. Focus on the enemy in front of us. But all we are doing is breaking our relationships with our children, children breaking relationships with their parents, and of course spouses doing with one another. And who's having a party? Shaitan. By making every one of us fighting. It's so sad to hear what parents have to share about their kids and what children have to share about their parents. Make this niyyah right now. That inshallah we'll work on the common enemy together. The shaitan and the nafs. And we will work on not allowing shaitan and nafs to ruin our relationship with our children and ruining our relationship with our parents. My dear parents, shaitan may come and say, be harsh with your kids. Scream at them, yell at them, never accept their apology. Always be judgmental. Please don't fall for that. That's not proper tarbiyah. That's not proper deen. No, that's not. Read A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Ask Allah to remove the anger from your heart. And dear children of the, of the parents, do not allow anger to overtake you. Do not allow the anger of your parents to consume you. For indeed, there is no one who loves you after Allah more than them. But what they do at times, sometimes doesn't make sense to you, or sometimes actually it's illogical. But just like you have a shaitan, so do they. They are not prophets, they are not masoom, they are not protected from sin, they are as human as you are. So they will be attacked by nafs and shaitan just like you do. So don't expect, don't put them at a pedestal to say, oh, how come you did that? No, they're just as human as you are. You slip and fall, and so do they. Be forgiving, be understanding. Make dua for your parents. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove whatever problems you're going through. And ask Allah to remove the hatred, anger, frustration that you might be suffering from. Because I think that's the worst burden you could have, is to have hatred towards your parents. Worst possible burden that you could be carrying around every day is to have hatred towards your kids. What could be worse than that? This is the relationship that is sacred, that is blessed, that's beautiful between parents and children. And we need to take care of that. Do not allow shaitan to come and destroy that. And that's why there is a hadith that talks about sakhimata sadri. That, Ya Allah, how does it go? Who remembers it? Anyone? Sakhimata sadri, what's that ayah? Oh, it's a dua of the Prophet I'm forgetting it. Um, that, anyway, it says, Ya Allah, remove the, 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 the um, uh, hatred and the animosity from my chest. Adhibil ghayva anni. Remove anger from my heart. We might be suffering an anger problem. Well, the solution to that is ask Allah. Ya Allah, I shouldn't hate my mom and dad. Why am I going through this? Why do I hate my children? Why do I hate my parents? What, 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 is, what is going on, you know, with this type of... Um, with, with, what is going on with this type of feelings? That emotion, you might have that emotion. I don't deny that. You might be going through that emotion. But at that time, understand you're under attack from shaitan. Please. You cannot be walking around hating on your parents. You cannot be walking around hating on your kids. You cannot be walking around just complaining to the whole world about your children and saying these are the biggest headache and continuously to use foul language with them. Ajeeb stuff is going on in the ummah, man. Honestly, the one who needs to hear is not here. The parents who are being abusive probably are not here. The children are being abusive are not here. Maybe they are, I don't know. May Allah allow my words to go reach those parents and those children who need to hear it. Say, I mean, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all those people who need to hear this, May Allah allow these words to reach their ears. 
and from their ears into their hearts. But it's happening. They're, they're kids. I mean, it's, 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 it breaks my heart. My, my daughter is, I lost full control. I said, by why? Because my, my, my wife is always just talking down to her, using her very horrible language with her, and she's done. Hey, why would you do that, man? Why would you speak to your kids like that? And the kids, like, well, you know, same thing. They said, there's no hope. So now if there's no hope, you know, once, like the person who killed 99 people. And he goes to ask, is there any toba? He says, no, no toba. He said, then I might as well kill you too. And he killed them, made a hundred. That's what's happening with kids. They say, there's no hope, so I might as well just continue to become the biggest menace that you ever imagine. Number two, what else? This is shaitan who says, oh, you missed your fajr? Forget it. Ness, you might as well miss your dhuhr, asr, maghrib, nashah. Because you all missed your fajr. Oh, wow, you said you're never going to watch something which you shouldn't, listen to something you didn't. But there you go again, you did it. So guess what? Let me just ruin the rest of the day and let me just go eat something haram. Honestly, someone listened to music or watched haram and then he says, oh, I did so much, let me just go eat the haram food. I would be like, what are you doing? You ended up eating haram food accidentally or intentionally too, okay. But then you say, no, let me not, I did that, so give up. Let me not even pray salah. What's the point of praying if I just ate haram burgers? No, my friend, that's shaitan, shaitan, shaitan. Why am I speaking about this? That Allah always brings tawbah in the Quran again and again to say, listen, I'm not going to treat you like the most evil person on the earth. Because if I treat you like that, you'll become even more evil. Because you'll become even more, more worse. Rather, I'm going to always keep the door of tawbah open. So anytime you want to turn around, the door is open. I'm never going to ask, why did you kill a hundred people before? You repent. True repentance. That's it. I'm never going to ask, why did you miss all these salahs before? The, re- the world will not let you go. They'll keep on nagging you. But Allah will never nag you. No matter what sin it has happened, Allah will never nag you. But you gotta use that opening you have. The door of tawbah is open. Malam yugargir. Until the death rattle begins, the door of tawbah is open. This is for all of us. If we have done, abused one another, abused the world, anyone in the world, financial abuse, tongue abuse, or abused our Prophet ﷺ by neglecting his sunnah, or broken... Uh, uh, you know, broken our, our commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever it may be, the doors of tawbah are open. I had mentioned, I'm going to finish it. Now you ask me, should I finish the surah or no? You guys say. No. Yes, no. <laughs> I don't know, people are going to say, you know, you said it's final and then you're not, because I don't want to prolong it. It's a weeknight. So that's why I'm asking. Huh? <laughs> There's ikhtilaf here, huh? Subhanallah. Uh, subhan- inshallah. Okay, bithinillah. Give, give me 20 more minutes. Is that fine? Yes? Alright. Um, Those servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yashaduna zura, they are the ones who do not bear false witness. Okay, there's two meanings of yashadun azur. One is to give a false testimony. Someone says, did, who, did, who committed the crime? You say, he did. You're lying. You're saying someone committed a crime that did not. That's one thing. Nabi alayhi was asked once, what is the biggest sin? He was sitting against the Kaaba, if I remember correctly. He was sitting about, against the Kaaba, and someone said, what is the biggest sin? He said, ishraq billah, committing shirk. And then he said, what else? After that, the Prophet said, qatil, to kill. And then he said, what else? Then the Prophet said, false testimony. And then the Prophet ﷺ repeated this three times. And he actually sat up. He, oh no, I'm sorry. Let me repeat the hadith. Shall I not tell you what are the largest of major sins? He said, Ali Shraqa Billah. 
Number one, ishraq billah, committing shirk. Number two, walidain, disrespect to parents. I just finished speaking about parents. I just finished speaking about parents. My brothers, this tafsir is not going to help you if you, are, you and I are disrespecting our parents. If this tafsir will help you if you decide to change today. Yes. But if we, if we make our mom and dad angry and we go for 25 hajj, not going to help. It's not going to help. We have to work on this. Number one sin, he said, Akbar al-Kabair is, is shirk. And after that, he said, Uquq al-Walidain, disrespect to parents. And if you feel like you need a little motivation, go reach out to someone who's lost their mom or dad. Go talk to them this week. Someone who lost their parents, go speak to them and say, I'm really, really angry at my mom. I'm really angry at my dad because they don't let me get married to so-and-so. That's usually the case. That's what the, usually the frustration is about. Go tell them, hey, what do you think? And I, you'll fear a much more powerful talk than I can ever give. Ask someone who's lost their parents recently and let them speak to you. Take this advice to heart. Honestly, do that. If you don't know someone, I'll put you in touch with someone. And you can go speak to them. Say, these are my feelings. What have you got to say about that? So the Prophet ﷺ said, Disrespect the parents is the big, second biggest, biggest sin. Then he said, then what? He said, Shahadat al-Zur, al zur to give false testimony or to speak a lie. And the Prophet ﷺ was leaning against, the, leaning against the wall, and he sat upright, and he began to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Repeat what? False testimony, false testimony, false, false testimony. Because this is how big of a sin this is. Number two, Yashadun Azura means to attend a gathering of falsehood. What does falsehood mean? Sin. Any type of sin, if it's propaganda, if it's people sitting there back, backbiting, people sitting there plotting to harm someone, a gathering of music, a gathering of zina, a gathering of watching something haram, listening to something haram, whatever it is, a gathering where people are backbiting their, the scholars, backbiting anyone else for that matter, um, speaking ill about the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, this is all shahadatu zur. They don't attend that. And whenever they pass by those who are uttering vile talk, they pass by honorably. This is speaking about, beloved friends, any type of, lagu uh, uh, means batil, useless things which are harmful, ma'asiyah, which are not going to be any benefit for you in this dunya or akhirah. Many times you are in class, and there are a bunch of guys speaking, saying inappropriate jokes. What do you do at that time? You don't just politely smile. You take your bag and you walk out. You put on your earplugs, right? You put on your ear, uh, ear pods or whatever. You don't participate in that. You, there's no such thing as I just got to be courteous. There's no courtesy when people are trash talking. There's no courtesy when people are cursing. There's no, there's no a courtesy when people are speaking uh, filthy jokes. That's not, that's not where Ibadur Rahman, you will never find Ibadur Rahman around these type of gatherings. Instead, they move on. And similarly, those gatherings, marriages, or any other type of celebration in which batil is there. You've got music, you've got dancing, you've got mixed gatherings. Then you will not find Ibadur Rahman there. Those are the people where they see, oh man, I got invited here. SubhanAllah, this what's going on. Marru billagwi, marru They look down, they give their gift card, and they move on. Brother, there's a, you, 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 all of you got, mashallah, food in your fridge, in the kitchen, as well as in the garage, in your basement freezer, and elsewhere too. We have enough food at home. For the sake of one buffet, are you expecting me to sit there and watch haram? To participate in haram? No, my friends. And Ibadur Rahman don't do that. Ibadur Rahman do not fall into the pressure of anyone. Say, no, whenever any type of such useless things happen, vile things happen, falsehood happens, they pass by honorably. Musamaha. This is called musama. You know, just look the other way. 
our Ustad Mona Alauddin Rahimahullah Rahmatun Wasi'ahu passed away a few years ago. He would give an example of Musamaha. He said, you know when someone, you see someone, for example, in the, you know, outdoors, or in Hajj, in Umrah, in Hajj, not Umrah, you see sometimes in people, in the mountains area, in Muzdalifa, people sometimes end up using the, they don't have enough toilets, and you have a million people, two million, three million people sleeping outside. People end up using the bathroom behind the mountain, behind here, the hill, this, that. You know someone is taking a water bottle and going out. That's how it used to always be before they had, they had constructed toilets the way we do, right? People take their istinja, stuff for istinja, toilet paper, or their little stone, and their water, and they move out. He said, when you see someone going for istinja towards the right, towards the left, what do you do? Do you sit there and stare at him? He said, you saw it and you look, you just look down like he's doing his business. He said, that's what musamaha means. He's like, that's what it would mean that you simply just look down. This subhanAllah explains this. When you see someone doing something inappropriate, you don't even give a second glance. When someone is doing PDA, for example, I would be like, that's just something, what do you do? You just look down and walk. Like, you know, you don't sit there and say, I would be like, may Allah guide the ummah. May Allah guide the ummah. That's not how it's supposed to be done. You look down and you walk. So this is what we're surrounded by, an environment of sin. As believers, we should never be caught in an environment where we're giving a second glance to something which is haram. This is what it means an honorable Muslim. And whenever they are reminded of the revealed verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember, ayat are of three types. The ayat of the nature, ayat kawniya, ayat taqwiniya, ayat of the events and happenings of the world, and ayat qur'aniya, ayats of the Qur'an. You've heard this this categorization before. Uh, right, alhamdulillah, two weeks ago. Taqwiniya, kawniya, and qur'aniya. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, whenever they are reminded of the verses, so the brackets, he said, reveal verses. So here the mufassir is talking about that this ayah is referring to Quranic verses. But it can also be others, but more so Quranic verses, that they don't act deaf and dumb in front of it. They do not fall, they do not fall deaf and blind. When someone sends a verse of the Quran, you're, you're angry in an issue. But Allah says this, you don't just say, keep quiet man, don't talk about the Quran anymore to me. No, 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 no. That's what a non-Ibadur Rahman does. That the Quran only applies when it fits his purpose. And when the Quran comes against him, then he says, ah, brother, this is 2023. What are you talking about? Leave the Quran out. Right? Because why? The Quran is now being presented against him. He doesn't like it. Now, Ibadur Rahman are like, if you said, if you recited to me a verse of the Quran, I'm zipping it up. I'm not going to argue back. I'm not going to fight back. I can go ask the tafsir of it afterwards. But right now, you telling me Allah says this, and apparently it's contradicting or it's speaking against my position, who am I to sit there and speak? Let me first figure out what this ayah verse means. We'd never openly contradict this. Um, wow. I remember a statement of, of uh, one scholar, he had mentioned that someone said, the Prophet ﷺ used to love squash. And the person immediately responded by saying, I don't like squash. And the scholar said, it's mentioned in the books, that this, this statement of yours has put you out of the fold of Islam. He's a murtad, atheist. Not ex-Muslim. Now you renew your Islam if you want to. It was this statement or another statement of this sort. He said, "What?" He said, "Because you could, if you said any other time, I don't like squash. Fine, we don't, no problem. But the fact that you said that right after we mentioned that the Prophet liked it, you are going completely straight up contradicting the Prophet wishes, and that cannot be an act of a believer." 
So take that to heart. When you hear something about Rasulullah of course the Quran, but even about the Prophet do not ever say anything immediately after that that contradicts that. Say, but I don't care, or I don't like, but this is not my thing. Because it's very important for our children. Sometimes the children are just so so-called frank that they just blurt out whatever comes to their mouth. You're teaching something, but I don't like that. No, you can't say it like that. There's a place and a maqam for speaking about your emotions. Right now, we're not talking about what you like. We're talking about what the Prophet ﷺ liked. So just keep quiet and listen. That's it. And if you can ask Allah, that Ya Allah, my Prophet liked this, I want to also like this. Like olives. Maybe some of you like it or you don't like it. You know, it's a love or hate type of thing. But you know that's mentioned in the Quran. And this was something, of course, that was readily available then. And people used to like it. Right? I mean, people used to eat it. So the Prophet wouldn't have that. Whatever fruits were available in Medina. And you say, you know, I don't like XYZ fruit. But you know, because the Prophet liked it, I'm going to like it. I'm going to do it. MashaAllah, you don't think how much ajr you're going to get for that. That you're going against your own natural desire just to be in line with the Prophet So people always say, is this sunnah, not sunnah, this, that, is this fard, wajib? Brother, even when it comes to the desires of the Prophet we need to try our best to even implement those. Because we love them. When people look up to basketball, football, soccer players, they want to be able to dress them exactly the way they do. You could dress anyway. No, I want to wear exact same number jersey. I want to wear his shoe. No other shoe. It's a shoe. No, 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 no. It got to be that shoe with that name. But he never even touched it. He never looked at it. He's just making millions off of it. I don't care. I just, I want to have this similarity. That's called love. Where is the love for Rasulullah? Why is it always, is it brother, is it wajib? Is it fard? Is it sunnah makkada? Ghair makkada? That's not how a lover speaks. A lover says, if my prophet has anything to do with it, that's it. It's got to be in my life. May Allah grant myself and all of us here that love of Nabi alayhi Amin Amin. So they treat the verses of the Quran with utmost respect. They don't just fall deaf and blind in front of it. And these are the believers who don't just make a lot of effort on the tarbiyah of their children and their spouses. You heard me right. What did I say? Yes. Tarbiyah of the children and spouses. The husband is responsible not only for the children, he's responsible of the wife as well. That's your job. That's why guys say, I want to get married. I'm like, okay, are you ready to be the sheikh? Huh? I thought you're the sheikh. No, I'm not the sheikh of your wife. You're the sheikh of the wife. You are the sheikh of your wife. You have to have what it takes to be a mentor. Your life and action should be such that your wife is impressed by you. Not of how cool cat you are outside, but how cool cat you are in the musallah. How your, your akhlaq are, how your character is, how you act with your parents, with her parents, how you act in the masjid. Just your general demeanor is such that she says, SubhanAllah, I'm blessed to be married to a wali of Allah. That is what we all need to make an effort on. Lead by example. Tarbiyah happens when you lead by example. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? That may Allah have mercy on that man who prays salah, who wakes, who prays, it gets up in the night and for tahajjud and then wakes up his wife for salah. Prays and then wakes her up. And if she doesn't wake up, he sprinkles water in his face. Her face. This is called tarbiyah. But it's not just a one-sided street. The wife also may end up having to do tarbiyah of the husband. Then the Prophet ﷺ, may Allah have mercy on that wife who wakes up at night for tahajjud. And after performing tahajjud, wakes up her husband for tahajjud. And fa'in aba, if he refuses to wake up, nadaha fi wajhihi alma. He sprinkles water 
she sprinkles water in his face. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you and I such spouses for each other. May Allah grant us such spouses for those who are not married. Honestly, people think, I mentioned this in, in talks, in marriage, people look at me like, are you crazy? Honestly, people have just looked at me like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not crazy. This is what the sunnah is. People say, oh, but one brother reached out to me right now, he said, I'll change my whole marriage date and this, I just need you to be there. I said, I'm nobody, man. My presence, bring sunnah in your life. Who? My presence in your marriage is not going to do anything. Rahim Allah, you got the dua of Rasulullah. May Allah have mercy on the man. You want Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's dua? Do this. Wake up at the hajjud and wake your spouse up. Marry someone who doesn't mind being woken up. Speak about it on the first night that this is what we're gonna do. We're married now, we're each other's spiritual buddy. This is how, this is how we're gonna roll. I need your help. Not like I used to pray tahajjud my whole life, but I'm gonna start fresh now. You help me, I help you. We're gonna do it together. Like someone who wants to, you know, join a weight loss program, say, I need some help. Someone wants to get off smoking, a cigarette smoke, I wanna get some help. Same thing. We need, to, we need to work on our tahajjud. Let's work together. What better nights than these winter nights to work on this? And start off with at least performing salah before you go to bed. If you cannot get up early, start off with that and then move on. But the idea, my beloved husbands and husbands-to-be, is that we, our responsibility of the tarbiyah at home is not only of the children, it's the spouse. It is. And we, the, spouse, the tarbiyah is not through screaming and yelling. Tarbiyah is not, not of the children, of course not of the spouse. It has to, method, methodically it has to be done. You have to think about it. You have to bring them to gatherings like these. Ilm and dhikr. You know, say, okay, we're going to have a night out. Third Tuesday nights, we don't have to cook. Khalas, we'll go out to eat. And after that, we'll go sit and attend the dars. Right? Come up with different ways for your family that you can create an environment where they get good exposure. Many people think that Umrah is the best time to take their spouse. What do you guys think? It's good, right? It is good. You guys thought, I'm like, what are you going to say? But I will say what I have to say now. Going for Umrah on your own with your bunch of family members without a scholar is not a good idea. Someone recently who never went for Umrah for years, good, pious, good young man, he went and then he shared his shock. He said, what? I cannot believe this is Umrah. This is Umrah? Like, really? He said, I have a much better environment in the madrasa than over here. Yes, as long as you're inside the haram, it's okay. But as soon as you step out to eat or to sleep or to do anything else, it's completely messed up. The environment for an average, maybe guy who works in corporate world is okay. But if you're coming from a dini environment, it's not okay. It's not okay. The amount of opportunities to commit zina of the eye is too much. And beyond. I don't want to get into that detail. I'll speak, leave that for another occasion. But there is unbelievable stuff happening there. Amaz- unbelievable level of, 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 of capitalism uh, and commercialism and every other thing in between. It's taking place as soon as you step out of the haram. So if a person just goes for a, for a so, so-called spiritually uplifting Umrah journey, if you don't have a scholar who's going to put you in your right place and gives you, a, gives you an example, not rather gives, lead, leads by example, tells you what you need to do, unveils for you the spirituality that's hidden there. It's there, but it's hidden. It's hidden behind all of that commercial stuff. You have to learn how to find it. So otherwise what will happen, it'll just become a family vacation. And now what's going on is you have children whose mom and dad thought their kids are going off track, let's take them for Umrah. And honestly, that Umrah trip is having zero benefit. Right here in this very same masjid I'm telling you. A young man came from a few months ago and he's like, oh, I need to talk to someone. So he was speaking to one person and then after that he's like, well, I have, I'm not a Muslim. You know, he's a Desi looking Muslim guy, like Muslim name. He said, I'm not a Muslim and I have, these are all my problems. So that person sat down, our, our a scholar sat down and spoke to him, answered all his questions. He said, wait, so how long, like, what do you mean you're not a Muslim? He says, actually, I just came back from Umrah. 
And while in Umrah, I decided to leave Islam. Alright? Honestly, this happened right over here. Till now, he's, and he's like, I'm not here to learn. I'm here to argue. So, what's going on? When you're not ready, and you put yourself in a place like that, and you don't have someone to guide you, instead of getting any benefit, you end up getting harm. Let me give you another example. You have a cup. And it, at the bottom, it's you got mud at the bottom of that cup. And you're thirsty, thirsty. You need to drink water. What happens? If you go fill up water in that cup that's got mud at the bottom, what will happen to the entire water? It'll all become murky and muddy. You cannot drink that. You have to do takhliya. You have to empty that cup before you fill up water. If the heart is filled with doubts, if the heart is filled with sin and, and skepticism, just by going on your average five-star umrah, eating from a 25-item menu buffet, is not going to remove that filth. You actually have to create something. Enroll in a program where you work on getting rid of that filth before you go take the anwarat from that place. Because most people do not know how to take the anwarat and the nur from that place. So anyway, tarbiyah of our children and our wives and, and wives for the husbands is necessary. All of it is necessary. But do it properly. Don't just dump, jump into saying, okay, well, I heard tarbiyah, so now I got to do things in, in a nonsensical way. So after making that effort, what did they say? Hablana, Ya Allah, grant us in our spouses. Azwaj does not just mean wives, all of you know. Azwaj is, is the plural of zoj, spouses. So both men and women should be making this dua. Um, both should be making this dua. Grant in our spouses, وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا and our children, the joy of our eyes. وَجَعَلْنَا الْمُتَّقِينَ imama, And make us an exemplar of goodness for the God-fearing. Allahu Akbar. What does Qurrata Ayn mean? Qurrata Ayn, Qurra means... Can, two meanings. One is coolness, cold, right? And qurra, one other mean, meaning of it is something which doesn't move, which is stationary. So uh, the Arabs would use the coolness of the eyes, joy, or, or in English we use the, uh, the figure of speech, is joy, or the translation is joy of our eyes, joy of our eyes, but literally it translates as coolness of the eyes. In Urdu we say the same thing, okay, tandak. The Arabs would use sukhan, uh, hot tears or hot the, uh, the, the warmth of the eyes to mean pain and coolness of the eye to mean happiness means joy so we're saying Ya Allah allow my husband or allow my wife allow my children to be such that as soon as my eyes fall on them I become happy all the stress and the worry of the outside world comes to an end when I look at my spouse and my children I mean what a dua that's one meaning so, and, and, and the happiness will be win when they're successful in dunya only no because the real world is yet to come I want them to become bring happiness to me both in this world and the next number two meaning I told you it means to be stationary I want my wife and, or my husband and my children to be so amazing and so loving and so caring and so beautiful that my eyes are fixated on them and I will never look at any other man for the wives. And I will never ever compare my wife to any other lady because I've got the best. And when I look at my children, I'll never look at any other young men and women of the ummah to say, oh, but, but, but look at him, look at her. No, I can never just get over my own kids because I've got the best kids. I'm never going to compare them with my nephews and my nieces or anyone else's children because they're the very best. That's the meaning of this dua. This is the dua that we must make every day, husbands and wives, men and women. Every single day make this dua. And those of you who are not married, make this dua, of course. You're not married yet. Make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you that spouse that will be the coolness of your eyes, be the joy of your eyes. And then eventually after that, after marriage, first comes zawj, then comes what? Dhurriya, children.
Then after that, make all of us imam. What is an imam? Imam means someone is the example. We all follow the one who did ruku and sajda and isha and every salah, we follow him. Imam is the one who everyone follows. We don't want to just become muttaqi, we want to become the lead muttaqi in our homes. So every father needs to become the muttaqi, leader of all the kids and the spouses at home. Think about that. Every mother should desire that I am going to become the most muttaqi in my home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these are the people who are now, we're done with the attributes. Alhamdulillah, all the attributes come to a conclusion here. He says, such are these, such people, these are such people that will be rewarded al-ghurfa with the high chamber of heaven. Ghurfa is like the penthouse. Highest chambers of heavens will be given to such people. Bima sabaru for what they endured patiently in life. Meaning, in order to be an ibadur rahman and to remain an ibadur rahman is not easy. You might be motivated today, I might be motivated today, say, Chalo, I'm gonna do this. But then to have this till next week, and then till next month, next year, until your death, that's where the hard comes, the hard part is. Al istiqamatu fawqa al fikarama. The ulama say, Al istiqamatu fawqa al fikarama. Steadfastness is more important and more powerful than a thousand miracles. You don't need to fly in the air. You don't need to touch people and they immediately get cured. What you do need, however, is if you got your Fajr Sunnah, then don't ever miss it. If you got Fajr Jama'ah, don't ever miss it. Right? Yesterday I gave a long khatira after Salat al-Isha about our honorable member of our community who would be sitting right on these chairs and many times sitting right in front of me. Brother Abu Adam, who would sit right here. And subhanAllah, and of course always stand behind the Imam in Salah. Because many of you were not there yesterday, of course, and land also, that's why I'm sharing this. He passed away, rahimahullah, rahmatun wasiyah, this, uh, you know, on Sunday. And uh, even the day right before he went to the hospital, he was here for Fajr. And, uh, uh, you know, a few, a few hours after that, he fell down, and a few, uh, two days, three days later, he passed away. But one thing every single member of this, regular of this community knows, he never prayed salah in second rakah, he never prayed salah in third rakah, he never was masbuk, he's always behind the imam. And no matter what the weather was, he always walked and come to the masjid if he didn't get a ride. He made sure he was here. That's called istiqamah. He's an example. Abu Adam rahimahullah was, was, a, was a pillar of istiqamah. Yes, the one who would sit right here. Exactly. With a white beard, with a white thobe, right? He, 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 uh, you, I'm sure all of you regulars in tafsir remember him as well. <clears throat> and he passed away and said his janazah was yesterday. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate his status and may Allah azza wa jal make his grave a garden from the gardens of Jannah. Right? And may Allah give patience to his family and allow all of us to follow in his footsteps of istiqamah. Right? This is what we're speaking about. Till the last day, if you have a habit of praying fajr with jama'ah, even on the last day, you won't miss it. That's what we're talking about. So we, we are speaking about what will that regard, reward, what will that require? Sabr. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you're going to get all this reward because of your sabr. It's not easy to have these 13 qualities. And it's definitely not easy to retain these 13 qualities till your death comes. And then when you do end up in Jannah, therein you shall be met with a welcoming salutation and peace. Salam from who? Salam from three groups of people. Salam from the angels. Number two, salam from Ashab al-A'raf, the people who are neither in Jannah and neither in Jahannam because their good and bad deeds are equal. And then number three, salam, the greatest salam from who? Allah Salamun Qawlam Min Rabbir Rahim Those are the three types of salam that they will be receiving 
خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا They shall abide therein forever. حَسُنَتْ مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا Like it came before سَاعَتْ مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا Here, حَسُنَتْ A most excellent residence and station. That you're going to be... Now that you, if you remember, I spoke about مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا The difference. Who remembers that? The difference between مُسْتَقَرًا and مُقَامًا Anyone remember the difference between this? سَاعَتْ مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا Yeah. Gee. Okay. <clears throat> yes. Alright, alhamdulillah. Our elders here are listening, our brothers here are listening, alhamdulillah, attentively, capturing it. Mashallah. The mustaqarran is temporary, muqaman is long term. So I explained over there that mustaqarran temporary will be for the sinful, muqaman will be for the non the disbeliever, or a Muslim whose tawbah was not accepted. Allah forbid. So here, what does it mean for Jannah? It means that in Jannah, you're gonna be enjoying, of course. You're gonna be looking at something like, wow, this is Jannah, oh my God, this is unbelievable. But then you'll be told, no, 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 this is not Jannah, this is just one trillionth of your day. You still gotta move on. Let's take you to the next room. Let's take you to the next scene. Let's take you to the next garden. So there is a sense of temporal aspects of Jannah because a person will be thinking that this is it. But he said, no, no, this is one of many. Come on, let's move on. Go to the next one. As it comes in certain narrations, which I've heard, that a person, a Jannati will be sitting at the door of Jannah, staring at the door of Jannah, thinking he has already arrived in Jannah for decades. And then someone says, what are you doing? Well, I'm in Jannah. This is not Jannah. This is simply at the door of Jannah. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all those who have deceased from the ummah already the, ch- the chance to see such, such things, especially our shuhada from Gaza and Palestine and different parts of Palestine. May Allah azawal allow them to be already, their souls to be at the door of Jannah. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. قُلْ مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي لَوْلَا دُعَاءَكُمْ O Prophet ﷺ say, مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ Never would my Lord even care for you, O people. لَوْلَا دُعَاءَكُمْ Were it not for you calling upon Him in worship and need. فَقَدْ كَذَّبْتُمْ But truly you disbelievers have belied in the faith. فَسَوْفَ يَكُونُ لِزَامًا Thus your punishment shall soon become inescapable. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is saying, that my help to you, for you in this world, end of hereafter is contingent on your ibadah and dua to me. But if you've chosen, oh disbelievers, to turn your back against me and not to worship me and not to call upon me, then do not expect any help. Instead, the way your kufr is inseparable from you, my punishment shall be inseparable forever in, in the hellfire. Khalidin fi abada will stay in there forever. Right? So this is um, a powerful way to end the verses of Ibadur Rahman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that um, he, has, he has no need for the disbelievers. You know what? I'm not going to pity you. If you don't want to worship me, guess what? I'll see you in Jahannam. That's what it is. I'll see you in hell. And as Allah being the punisher, and they being the ones who are you know, in the, uh, receiving a punishment. Number two, some ulama have explained this, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create you to give you a good life, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not invite you to His mercy and invite you to His Jannah, then you would not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have shown any care. Meaning, wait, meaning if it wasn't for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's care for you, you would have never received revelation. The fact that you, Allah is, Allah is inviting you through, through his prophets the way this Quran is opening up to you all the avenues of paradise it's such a beautiful explanation it's because Allah cares about you 
So care back and follow it. And if you choose not to, then you're not going to get any care from Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already explained it to you and uh, shared with you whatever you can. Let me end with a powerful hadith of Hadith Qudsi. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ya ibadi, oh my sir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh my servants, إِنَّكُمْ لَمْ تَبْلَغُوا دَرِّي فَتَضُرُّونِي You will never be able to ever harm me. Oh my servants, you will never be able to harm me. Then, he said, And you will never be able to benefit me. I don't need harm or benefit. You, whatever you do is for your own benefit or harm. If the first and the last, the men and the women, the humans and the jinn, if they were to become like the most sinful servant ever to walk on the surface of the earth, that would not decrease in my grandeur, might, and ownership in the least. And oh my servants, the first and the last, the men and the women, the humans and the jinn, if they were to all become like the most pious person, it would not increase in my, right, in my grandeur the least. And then, oh my servants, if all of you were to stand in one open plain, and every single one of you were to ask me whatever he wants to ask, and I were to then give every single trillions and trillions and trillions of individuals, every single of the hundreds of thousands of things that they're asking for, it would not decrease from my kingdom in the least. Not even equivalent to the amount that if a, if a, uh, what do you call that? needle will to be placed into an ocean and then lifted up, how much water would it decrease from the oceans? Not even to that amount would all of this giving to every one of you decrease from my treasures. Ya ibadi, O my servants, All I am doing is I am counting and keeping record of your actions. And then I'm going to give it right back to you on the day of judgment. Whoever finds in his book of deeds goodness, thank Allah for the tawfiq he gave you. And whoever he receives his book of deeds on the day of judgment, finds something not so good, then he should blame no one besides himself. I'm, this is it. On the day of judgment, you're going to get what, exactly what you did. Nothing more, nothing less. And this is what Qul is telling us. Allah doesn't need you, Allah doesn't need me. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, I'm watching what you're doing, and I'm gonna make sure you get it back, and based on whatever's written in the book, you will be rewarded or punished. So the ball is in my court. The ball is in your court. Allah has said what He needs to say. The Prophet has done whatever effort He needs to do. The ulama have done whatever they need to do. Now it's my turn and our turn to begin to put into this practice. SubhanAllah, how much we've covered in 13 sessions. Allahu Akbar, so much. I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla not to make all of this speech and what we heard and what we said a proof against us. But He'd rather make a proof for us. And may He make, it, make you and I amongst those who more than just listening, immediately put things into practice. Beloved brothers and sisters, make this niyyah today that inshaAllah we will try our level best. Whatever khair we heard that we'll not only put into practice, but we will also share it with others as well. And um, you know, those of you who are here first time, Alhamdulillah, every single, or those of you who don't usually come and, or you came today after a long time, Alhamdulillah, all our sessions are recorded from the very first day. You just go to the Masjid DS YouTube channel, go to the playlist, and they're very nicely uh, available there. You can also find us on um, iTunes and many others, uh, Spotify and all these other types of platforms. All of this, the Fasir, are uploaded there as well. So definitely benefit from that. And you can t uh, scan the uh, WhatsApp group if you haven't already done so. 
And inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala, um, you'll stay connected with the links to all our tafsirs and so forth. Additionally, we'll, be st- we'll of course be starting inshallah next week, uh, uh, Surah Al-Qasas. Okay, the story of the, uh, the, uh, the, the surah of the stories, inshallah. And one of the things I wanted to talk about that because it starts off with the story of Musa and Fir'aun. And we're dealing right now with all of that. So I think it'll be a beautiful lessons we can derive from the story of Musa alayhi salam and how he dealt with, with Fir'aun. Um, and this is the dua for those of you who didn't get it last week. The dua we should be reciting after every salah. And join us for Salat al-Fajr here at 6 a.m. when we recite this dua. Every single day, this is the dua to assist our brothers and sisters who are going through difficulty um, wherever in the world and especially in, in, in Palestine. Allah Mahadina Fi Mahadate is the dua. Uh, okay, let me take it here. You can take a picture. If you haven't done so, please try your best to memorize this dua or at least memorize the translation. You can find the transliteration online as well. You got that? Some of you are still taking pictures. Okay. And last but not least, we have our annual dinner, inshallah, about three weeks from now. It's December 9th. All of you are here. Please ensure on the way out, please ensure that you purchase your ticket. Uh, do not make us con- continue to repeat this. This is not for another institution. This is for your institution. This is for the place you come and benefit every single day or every single week, every single month, or you listen to the live stream. Please be a part of our annual once a year only banquet. Inshallah, December 9th, 5 p.m. It's going to be marking 10 years of Darussalam opening. And we'll have an amazing lineup of programs where you and your family will get a chance to listen from our students, from our graduates who are serving in different parts of the country. Inshallah, we'll be coming and sharing some amazing things that they're involved in. And you'll get a chance to see where your, where your efforts and donations and, and, uh, and du'as have been going for the past 10 years and more. So uh, on your way out, there'll be brothers there selling tickets. Inshallah, youngsters, we're trying to sell tickets too. Um, also, we're looking for sponsorships. If you have a Muslim business or you know another Muslim who owns any type of business, this is the once-in-a-year opportunity for you to be able to show the Muslim community that hey we're not only telling people to divest from certain businesses and not give certain businesses your money but then we are also providing an alternative we want the money to be invested right back into the Muslim community so I'm requesting if any Muslim business halal business of course that we would like you to please consider becoming a sponsor and this way inshallah you will get coverage in the dinner in front of 1200 people but we will constantly inshallah only those businesses that have supported will make a file we've got it we're making a booklet and every couple months or every month inshallah we'll be running those ads through our whatsapp group of thousands of people and we'll say these are businesses that support Darussalam not to say no one else does besides that but these are this year have supported it and if you're looking for a barber to looking to a a plumber to looking to a doctor to looking to a restaurant alhamdulillah look no further than these businesses that are alhamdulillah serving your masjid so I request all of you who uh, have a business please reach out to us and reach out to um, the office and become a sponsor of any level uh, for this business for this event and you will be able to inshallah get an opportunity to show your support to the rest of the community and to uh, and hopefully this will create an opportunity for money to stay within the muslim community inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala uh, we have uh, our weekly saturday fajr program 6 a.m. followed by a talk and a big breakfast 
uh, Thursday is a khatira after Salat Isha about, about the Prophet some sacrifices followed by Salawat program, sending salutations upon the Prophet These are our community events for the sisters and brothers as well. Let us inshallah conclude with the dua. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma anta salamu anka salamu wa barakatuhu ibn al-jalali wa al-ikram. Allahumma anaka alhamdu kullu wa alaka shukru kullu. Allahumma la nuhsi ta'an alayka anta kama athanita ala nafsik. Rabbi ghfir wa rahmu wa tajawaz amma ta'alam innika anta al-azul akram. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt wa afina fi man afayt wa tawallana fi man tawallayt wa barik lana fi ma'atayt wa qina wa asrif anna shara ma qadayt. فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك إنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم من جميع الذنوب والخطايا ونتوب إليك Oh Allah we ask you to accept this gathering Oh Allah we ask you to send your special mercy upon all of us Oh Allah we ask you Allah all those brothers and sisters in all of these past sessions we've come or those who are here present today Oh Allah whatever issues they're going through in their homes whatever the issues they're going through in their spirituality Oh Allah in their, uh, in their financial states Oh Allah in their physical health Oh Allah in their relationships with their family members oh Allah in any other aspect of their deen or dunya or akhirah oh Allah we ask you allow their presence in the masjid allow their presence in this gathering of ilm and dhikr to become a means of those problems being removed those difficulties being solved their, their sins being forgiven oh Allah they becoming beloved becoming your beloved oh Allah they attracting your mercy oh Allah oh Allah we ask you Allah to send your special mercy upon every single one of us and our extended families oh Allah we ask you to send your mercy upon the entire ummah of Rasulullah oh Allah we ask you to forgive the entire Ummah. Allow the Ummah to repent from all the major and minor sins. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow your help and your protection to descend upon the believers across the globe. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant faith, true faith to and true conscience to all our Muslims, especially our leaders across the globe. Oh Allah, all our, our leaders, both Muslim and non-Muslim across the globe, oh Allah, Allah, we ask you to Allah to grant them an awakening, Ya Allah. Allow them to see right as wrong, uh, right as right and wrong as wrong. Allow them to be able to follow the right and allow them to be protected from the wrong. Oh Allah, allow us to understand the true enemies of shaitan and nafs and allow us all to take all the precautions to be able to protect us from nafs and shaitan. Oh Allah, we ask you to Allah, we ask you Allah to have mercy on the brothers and sisters in Palestine. Oh Allah, we ask you to have accept their mar- martyrs. Oh Allah, allow the pleas and the cries of the injured ones, Ya Allah, to be accepted, Ya Allah. Allow through the barakah of, of their pleas and cries. Oh Allah, of the innocent ones, Ya Allah, that you send your special mercy upon them. Oh Allah, even those who are passing away, allow them to die in a painless manner. Oh Allah, those who are suffering, Oh Allah, apparently to our eyes, Ya Allah, you are absolutely capable of allowing them not to feel that pain. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, oh Allah, Allah, remove their pain from those who are, who are going through unbelievable levels of difficulty and torture, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, you are capable of them not feeling it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow every single inch of, every single ounce of pain that they're going through, Ya Allah, allow them to get upgrades of millions of levels in Jannah, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow them to become your beloved, Ya Allah. Allow them to become awliya of yours. Allow them to be raised with the Sahaba, Ya Allah. Allow them to be greeted by the Prophet, Alayhi Salatu Wasalam, at the Hawdi Kawthar. Oh Allah, allow their souls to be in the company of the Prophet, Alayhi Salatu Wasalam. Oh Allah, all those who've lost their loved ones. Allow them to gain solace and comfort by, Ya Allah, by seeing their visions of their elders and those of the youngsters and their babies who passed away. Oh Allah, allow them, Ya Allah, to see beautiful dreams about them. Oh Allah, allow them to gain comfort and solace in, 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 in any manner that you wish to give it to them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, take, uh, allow their t- tears, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, to not be fall, allow their tears not to go down in, in, in vain, Ya Allah. Allow, not, allow the blood not to be spilt in vain, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow that blood that's being spilt. Allow those tears that are being shed. Allow it to become a means 
of Ya Allah removing the, the, the horrible layers of, of darkness over, from our hearts and the hearts of the Ummah. O oh Allah, through their crying, wake all of us up, Ya Allah. Through their crying, wake all of us up, Ya Allah. Through their crying, make us all punctual in the masjid, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, through their pleas and cries, make us all from amongst those who are regular in the masjid, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, make our spouses from amongst those, Ya Allah, who push their husbands and their sons and their do- to the masjid, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, through their pl- pl- crying, Ya Allah, allow all of us to become students of knowledge. Our children to become students of knowledge. O oh Allah, through their pleas and cries, allow the ummah to make tawbah from riba, make tawbah from zina, make tawbah from, from alcohol and all intoxicants, tawbah from backbiting, tawbah from yelling and screaming in, 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 in appropriate places, tawbah from using harsh language and, and bad language. O oh Allah, tawbah, Ya Allah, from indulging in any type of, Ya Allah, uh, bad akhlaq. O oh Allah, tawbah from neglecting any and all sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Ya Allah, allow these incidents and this war, and rather this genocide, O oh Allah, allow it to become a means of the masajid filling up. Allow it to become the means of men and women start focusing on the building the relationships. Allow it become the means of people focusing on the relationship with the Quran. O oh Allah, allow it to become the means of Ya Allah women and men. Ya Allah, recognizing what their responsibilities are as Muslims. Oh Allah, allow it to become a means of all of us. Ya Allah, shunning materialism. Shunning, Ya Allah, atheism and agnosticism from our hearts. Oh Allah, shunning all, any and all forms of, of, of the evil isms that exist today. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask Ya Allah to protect our children and our progeny from all the Dajjali isms, Ya Allah. Protect us all from the fitna of Dajjal and protect us from all the fitna that will come before Dajjal. Oh Allah, we ask Ya Allah to fill our hearts with your love, the love of Rasulullah the love of the Quran, the love of the Sahaba, the love of the awliya, the love of the ulama, the love of the the pious ones. Oh Allah, we are not pious, but allow us to love the pious. And through our love for the pious, make us pious, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to fill our hearts with taqwa. Oh Allah, grant all of us righteous pious spouses and children. Oh Allah, those who are not married, grant them the very best of spouses. Those who are married, grant them mahabba and love in their, in their marriages. Oh Allah, do not allow shaitan enough to have a share in their marriages. Oh Allah, those who do not have children, grant them healthy, pious, righteous children. Those who have children, make them, Ya Allah, make them, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, such children, Ya Allah, they will become a means of the happiness of the parents, both in this world and the next, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you Allah those who are struggling to come to the masjid those who are struggling to sit in the programs those who are struggling to volunteer for the masjid oh Allah I beg you in this, in this beautiful occasion with the presence of so many young and old women and men and children listening online and on site oh Allah through the barakah of the pious who are sitting here I don't know who is here you know who they are oh Allah we ask you Allah to remove all the, all the obstacles from anyone and everyone who wants to come to the masjid but is not able to do so all of those who try every day but are not able to who try every week but are not able to oh Allah all, all the past volunteers who want to help and be a part of the masjid but do not seem capable of doing so all of those musallis who used to pray in the masajid but for some reason have been pushed away and do not find do not find it easy to pray in the masjid again ya allah we ask you to break those shackles break those barriers break those walls ya allah between anyone who wants to come to your house between anyone who wants to come to you but finds their path blocked ya allah break those barriers through through those tears and blood of our brothers and sisters ya allah oh allah we ask you to bring a revival within the ummah. Bring a revival within the ummah. Oh Allah, bring a revival within our leaders. Bring a revival within, within the ulama. Bring the revival within the youth. Ya Allah, bring the revival within the women. Oh Allah, oh Allah, let the ending of all of this suffering be beautiful. Oh Allah, let the ending be beautiful. Let the ending be, be, be great. Not only hereafter, but in this world as well. Oh Allah, protect this masjid and all the other masajid. Protect this madrasa and seminary and all the other seminaries and madrasas across the globe. Oh Allah, protects all the deeny efforts. Oh Allah, protect all of these deeny efforts from internal and external fitness. 
commandments. Allah protect her from hasad nadar, protect her from sihar, protect her from the evil plots of shaitan. Allah allow all of us to be protected from the evil plots of shaitan and nafsi Allah. Allah protect us from the seeing enemy and the unseen enemy Allah. Allah, we ask you to grant all of us a life of taqwa, death on taqwa, raise us on taqwa under the banner of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah allow us to leave this world in a state that you're happy with us and we're excited to receive what, what rewards you have prepared for us in Jannah you have prepared for us. Allow us to leave this world with kalima la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah on our tongues with conviction and yaqeen in a state that all our sins have been forgiven. Allah allow our, our, allow our, our grave to be a garden from the gardens of Jannah. Allah we ask you Allah to make the, the, the graves of our parents, our elders, our teachers and all those who passed away from the Ummah and in this, past, in this community of Brother Abu Adam and all those who passed away previously from our community and beyond Oh Allah, especially from amongst the well-wishers and, and the donors and the patrons of this masjid who passed away. Oh Allah, we ask you to fill their graves with nur and allow them all to attain a, the, the rewards and sadaqah jari of everything that happens here, including this majlis. Allow this gathering, the rewards of this gathering, and any good deed that comes out of this gathering to allow this to be presented to the souls of those who passed away, Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you the way you've gathered us here today. Gather us many, many, many more times in this world and gather us under your banner, on the Prophet, under the banner of Rasul, under your throne on the day of judgment. Subhana Rabbi Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wasalamun ala al Mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Warazakumullahu khaira for all of you for being so patient. May Allah reward you immensely for that. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. There's also a request for Brother Zaid Sayyid, or rather grandfather, Brother Zaid Sayyid, Muhammad Abdul Salim, who is in ventilator.